Welcome to Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve podcast, where you get a guaranteed return on investment of your time as we cut your learning curve with the information you can apply to your farming operation immediately for greater yields and more profit. This episode is brought to you by ADS, Advanced Drainage Systems. Soil, sunlight, and water are the three most important resources in crop production. Let ADS help manage your water resource in a productive and sustainable manner. Advanced Drainage Systems, their reason is water. Now, here's your host, Damian Mason. Greetings and welcome to Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve. More than just a podcast, it's videos, it's information, it's insights, it's interviews with great content that you can apply to your agricultural operation immediately. Six forward-thinking, progressive-minded, successful farmers from all around different geographies in the United States of America formed Extreme Ag to help you, meaning they're going to do product trials, they're going to do educational stuff, new practices, methods, things that they're willing to experiment with, and then you can learn from their trials, their mistakes as well as their successes. Anyway, I've got one of those guys. His name is Lee Lubers of Lubers Farms. He's in South Dakota. I'd say the town, but let's face it. Does it really matter? South Dakota. I mean, we're just, we're just lucky if we remember that it's not North Dakota, right? I mean, it's like, it's that part of the United States that's not quite Canada. But anyway, Lee's a sharp dude. As you remember, if you've listened to any of our other episodes, Lee and his brother, started farming when they were in college, uh, even high school, but uh, they built their operation. They're a 17,000 acre operation in Southeastern, South Central, Southeastern, South Dakota, uh, all 100% no-till, which is very interesting. We did an episode about that. So we went to Mr. Lubers and we said, hey, let's talk about seed. Here we are, we're into fall, we're approaching Halloween time. Uh, we're mid to, mid to third week of October as we're recording this. You've been in the combine, you've driven through the fields, you're now starting to look at what's coming in, you're looking at what's in the hopper, and you're also looking forward to next year. It's time to start thinking about your seed. It's time to start thinking about what you're going to do. Remember, you got the soil, you got the sunshine, you got the precipitation, then you've got to put something in that soil to then grow and make your crop next year. It's a pretty big decision. We're going to talk to Mr. Lubers about what he does about making those decisions, what data he uses, what information he's looking at now, what mistakes or disappointments he's had in this prior season that he's going to learn from moving into the next year. With us also, we have Alan Scott. Alan is uh, got a fancy title. Uh, you know, he works for Corteva, which uh, their big brand name is a brand you may have heard of. It's called Pioneer. Um, when I was a little boy, I had a T-shirt that said, my dad plants Pioneer. I'm not sure somebody must have given it to me because I'm not sure my dad did plant Pioneer. But to be honest with you, I do remember the T-shirt and uh, it was kind of a cool thing. He's going to be talking about things from his perspective. He's really an agronomy guy that's now more in a product management position. And so he's got a lot of depth and breadth because he doesn't just cover a county or two. He's in Minnesota, but he oversees a territory that includes Minnesota, the Dakotas, and then even going westward, depending on the product line, as far as California. So a lot of breadth and depth. Lee Lubers and Alan, welcome to Cutting the Curve. All right, Lee, um, we said we had to do this subject because there's a lot of money gets spent. The way I see it is somewhere around July or August, the seed companies have their sales meetings and then they send those salespeople and they say, now get out there and sell some seed. You're like, it's August. We got to kind of see how the, the, the stuff we planted does. When do you start thinking about this? When do you start thinking about next year's seed that's going to go in the ground? 
Uh, it's a 24 seven process. Uh, when we're planting in the spring, we're watching seed quality, emergence, uh, cold germ, uh, how it relates to the scores, if the scores are accurate. Uh, seed selection is 12 months out of the year. It's always in our brain. It's one of our biggest expenses and good genetic every year. Uh, we don't view seed as an expense. It's one input that gives us the biggest ROI. So it's very critical to focus on our seed selection every year. Very interesting. And by the way, if you're watching this, you'll see that the backdrop behind over Lee's head is a bunch of old seed sacks and some feed sacks, presumably. But uh, he's, he's got them all up there from brands that don't exist anymore. We, we got... Um, we got this situation where you're saying you don't look at it as an expense. I mean, diesel is an expense case, rinse an expense, uh, all the inputs you put in there, but you're looking at seed a little differently because you look at that as man, that's, that's the dry powder, right? That's, that's the stuff that you got to have to put this in there. And then I'd be tempted to say, but wait a minute, Lee, isn't it all the same? I mean, come on, man. Uh, it's in a bag, it grew somewhere. And then pff, what do you think when it look, when you look at it? Like behind me on the wall, uh, 90% of the brands that I have up there don't exist anymore because they didn't change with the times. They didn't have the genetics that was needed in uh, their marketplace and they went by the wayside or they merged. And so it's very critical to focus on seed because in the Western region where we're at in dry land, we don't see, we don't make choices based on five or 10 bushels. It can be swings of 20 to 80 bushel on picking hybrid selection. It's very critical. We see big swings. So your genetics will make or break you. You said you might see a 20 bushel swing. And you're talking about prairie. And you're talking about prairie. As high as 80 even. It, it is on corn. It's, it's critical. On soybeans, it's nothing to see. If we try a, a, a brand, uh, we can see a 10 to 15 bushel swing just in, okay. in the same, in same maturity. Yeah. Now, one of the things that's difficult to do is to do controls because you might say, all right, I planted uh, this brand over in this 80 acres and then a mile and a half down the road, I planted a different brand on 80 acres, but different soil types and maybe even a couple of stray storms came through. Is it, is it, are you convinced that really you can always bring it back to the seed because you've got enough experience doing that? Or do you think there's other environmental factors? Uh, we look at the environmental factors, but uh, it's still uh, making a good seed selection. It'll be adaptable on all of our soil types. And no matter what the weather throws at us, it'll handle it the best. So it's, again, it's a very important choice for us every year. Uh, we got the guy from Corteva here, and uh, you've got a lot of acres to cover. Do you use his product on all 17,000 acres, or are you one of those guys like I would be where I think I'd always have a couple of different suitors? Yeah, I, I think I'd play the field a little bit. I think I'd have a couple of different suitors just because I always want to kind of make sure that I was keeping everybody honest. That's how I would do it. I'm sorry to say, but that's how I would do it. Lee, how do you go about it? Uh, we work with a couple companies, and uh, Pioneer is a very large supplier for us. Uh, there's been a long-term working relationship, and they've been very good uh, bringing new products to us to let them test it, even for them. Uh, we've tested products before they ever even hit the marketplace two to three years. So those long-term working relationships are critical. 
and they're even more critical in the world we're in right now. Uh, now is not the time to jump ship over thinking you're going to save five bucks because it could end up costing you 50 to a hundred dollars an acre. Now, is that because you're talking about supply? You're concerned about being able to get the product because of all the whole uh, supply chain issues or is it because of another reason? Well, there's the supply chain issues. And then also with the relationships that we've built up over the years, but they just keep getting stronger and we get a better feel for what we need to pick for seed. We know the right people and the companies to talk to. They're going to give us unbiased information. Uh, we're, we're able to look at our own trials and get information from other people around the area. You know, that's where the network approach really pays is we get to talk to other good producers and, Hey, what did you see? And, and just talk openly about it. But the relationships we have with our seed companies are every bit as important because we're able to sit down and just talk openly about it and just and say, hey, you know, we saw this. Did you see this in another area? Did other growers run into this? And we're always trying to improve and do better. All right. Speaking of that relationship, Alan Scott, you, uh, I, I, we did a little research on you before you uh, came on here. And Mr. Lubers uh, tells me that he's been working with you and had a relationship with you for about 15 years. Mm -hmm. uh, what, what do you, you're, you're coming from a different perspective here. Uh, I mean, your job is to make sure that seeds get sold. Maybe you're not the salesperson at this point. You're more in charge of geographies and product lines, but the point is your company needs to sell seed. Um, when you go about that, what about you approaching Lee? Tell me about that thing. You, you know, if you're just there saying, I got a cheap bag of seed, that ain't going to cut it for somebody like him. Somebody that wants to be uh, successful for long haul, you know, coming in being $3 cheaper isn't probably what you just heard. That's not what he wants to hear. What does he want to hear? And what do you look at when you look at your role serving them? Yeah, I think a uh, really good question. Um, you know, Lee really pointed out a lot of the key things is, multiple years, uh, relationships with uh, other customers to really understand what's going on. And we really actually value that. And that's the way we go about our business as well. Um, you know, in the end, we want to be able to provide the best information we can to folks like Lee, uh, get them involved in the process over time, help them understand, right, our genetics, uh, right, as well as maybe uh, competitive uh, genetics. But a lot of what Lee is doing is absolutely spot on. He's talking about doing multiple year rather than single year, checking wider area with people that he's in contact with, what's working for you. And we absolutely encourage that. And you know what? Um, having multiple brands on a farm is absolutely the right thing to do because what you said you got to keep them honest. We want to be kept honest. We want to know, right, where our competitors at. Uh, we're competitive, and and we want to do a better job and get a better product. Because in the end, you got to have customers make money. If they're not making money, they're not going to be a customer next year because they're not going to be in business. So, I you know a lot of what you know he's saying and doing is absolutely the right thing. So when you look at it, uh, Alan, you, you don't mind the fact that you're not getting hundred percent of his acres. You like the fact that you're getting a significant amount of his acres. And you like the fact that you're at least saying, Hey, uh, that's okay. Because I just want to know that, that 
that you're always looking at me versus somebody else. And I think that we, we, uh, we can run the race, right? We can, we can, we can play the game. We can do this. We can, Absolutely. We can, we can get it Absolutely. through the goalposts. Yeah, that's exactly right. Your football analogy is just right. Um, right. How do you, how do you beat the best team? Right. You improve yourself. You look at what they're doing and you get better. We do that uh, a lot. You know, overall, there's really in corn, there's about four genetic providers. Uh, when I say genetic providers, um, you know, there's really four major companies that are doing most of the corn breeding, uh, frankly, in the world. Uh, and a lot of other people are buying their genetics. Uh, but I would say that those four genetic providers um, probably are all doing pretty darn good research. And we're competing against them, uh, right? And we want to get better. Uh, everybody's got strengths and weaknesses, um, right? And, uh, you know, we want, uh, you know, depending upon where you're at, you got to understand what you're looking for. And not all areas of the country uh, need the same sort of uh, product. Lee, when you look at data, now, obviously, it's easy, Yield, 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 yield. But there's more than just yield. Obviously, there's test weight, which affects yield because we don't really sell bushels; we sell pounds. I always point that out to city people. You know, a bushel is a is a is a is a concept of a uh, of a of a of a of a unit of measurement, but it's also not just a basket; it's a poundage. So you know, there's a hell of a difference between 52 pound and 60 pound test weight. Uh, there's obviously the yield issue, but then sometimes if you're backed up against a wall because of weather. When it dries down, uh, maturity, um, you know, how much fodder do you want? I mean, there's a lot of different stuff here to be thinking about. You're a no-till guy. If you've got 16-foot uh, stalks out there to chop through the next year, it gives you one more hassle. What are the things that you're thinking about, about your decision-making on what plants, what, 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 what you want to do to plant next year? Well, we're going to look at uh, cold germ scores. That's very important, being no-till, and we always get uh, – doesn't matter how nice it is when we're planting in the spring, you always get a cold outbreak where temps will drop down. So that's very important to us. Wait, 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 wait. just for the person that maybe is in uh, Louisiana and they're saying, what in the hell is he talking about? Cold germ scores. You got, you got your, your somebody spreading cold through germs. What are you talking about? Well, Traditional germs are considered a warm germination. Uh, we look at the cold germ because that's going to tell us how tough it is when we get a cold spell and our soil temperature up under 50 degrees. We could be down to 38 degrees and we've already started the germination process. And that can be a killer if you don't have good cold germ scores in our environment. And that covers a huge swath of the, well, the northern half of the Corn Belt. Yeah, so you're, you're in South Dakota. So the point here, Lee, is you, you want to, your soil temperature is probably, when you start rolling the corn planter, 50, 52 is your soil temperature, maybe 50? Yeah, we never want to start under 50 degrees. We, we don't want it to have a bad day. So you, you're starting to run the planters when that soil temperature in the first two inches is at that 52 or so, and you, you, you're okay with that, but you need it to make sure that if we have a little cold snap after the corn gets planted, that the germination still does not suffer. So is that the number one priority after yield, of course? Uh, that's very important stock strength because we get a lot of winds uh, coming off the Rockies and up here in the high plains. So stock strength is critical. 
And then also it's root scores, uh, how it is on the roots, because everything starts underground. It's We always focus on what's on top, but it always comes down to the roots. That's how we get things going. That's what's going to be a huge uh, dictation of our yield. So root scores are very important to us. And, uh, yeah, we did, we look through the ratings. We talk to our local reps. Hey, what are you seeing? What do you, can you show us some plot data? We just start trying to make the best choices. Uh, we've been involved in a lot of product testing over the years. And for us, that's very important because we're getting to see things before they hit the marketplace. And, and as we all know, in the genetics business, there's a lot of trials, but only X amount actually move forward. So being a part of that process is kind of fun because something that it can look good one year, but guess what? It didn't, it didn't work out over a three-year period, so it didn't get advanced. Well, that's for our benefit. That's for every grower's benefit, but really a benefit for us because that means if it didn't make the cut, we didn't want it. It was going to cost us money, not make us money. So you first off, I have a couple of things there. You, you said some really good stuff. First off, it's cold. It's very cold. You heard that, Alan? It's where he is. It's very, very cold. Yeah. And then he needs stock strength because it's very, very windy. Here's what I was just going to suggest. Three letters for the entire 17,000 acres. C-R-P. Maybe you should farm somewhere that's not so hostile. Why don't you come down here to Indiana, Lee, where it's not 75-mile-an-hour winds, and it's not still like 14 below zero in, in, in April. Maybe you're just farming in the wrong area. Maybe you just not meant to be. <laughs> well, but we need, we need Lee's corn, you know, to make ethanol and feed cows and all of that sort of thing. So... I, you know, one of the things, uh, Damien, just to kind of jump in here is, is that, you know, you do have to realize that we're trying to raise corn, a tropical crop in the north. Corn's a tropical crop, right? And so stress emergence, that we call it, is really important. Um, and there are genetic differences, and we actually do a fair amount of testing uh, on that. Um I don't know, a lot of people don't realize, and, and you can have stress emergence problems all the way down into Nebraska, Nebraska, Kansas, you know, look at, gosh, look at Texas, right? This last spring, yeah, right? and, and, they, and how cold snow. they got, they got snow, right? right. And so the, the thing is, is it planting, and we do some, we call it a pioneer stress test. Uh, it's, a, it's a proprietary test uh, that we do. Uh, exclusive in the industry that we put all of our seed through that basically um, we understand uh, and know that you're going to get better stands under cold, cold conditions. The most important part of a seed's life is the first 48 to 72 hours after planting, because it's going to imbibe that water. And we always say the worst time to plant corn is not necessarily when you start it's after a lot of people have started and all of a sudden you see the big system coming across the rockies right lee mm -hmm. and everybody's going oh boy it's going to dump a bunch of rain and then or snow or whatever it's going to do and i gotta get this crop in because i might not get in for two weeks which there's some legitimacy to that but that is, it's usually after those sort of events that come around the first part of May, 
that we end up having having stand challenges. Um, and that's across the board, right? Yeah. When it's, you know, if it's just brutal conditions, no matter where you're at, sometimes it doesn't matter. But we think that, you know, doing some of that testing ahead of time outside a warm germ really does, does help. All right, let's talk about what we did learn and seed selection, because there's a lot of guys right now and gals, they're sitting there looking at their operation and they're saying, you know what, it's time to start figuring this out. Uh, I've held off on committing. I I, want to do business with, you know, this seed rep or that, whatever, but I'm not for sure what type of seed I'm not sure. You know, first off, is there really a difference between A567-B, all those different hybrid signs that you see out there. Come on, Alan, you can tell me the truth. It's all the same crap, right? We just put different numbers on it. So that's the first question. But secondly, what are you deciding out there, Lee? First question, Alan, is there really a big difference between all those different hybrid numbers? And B, then to to Lee, what thing did you see this year that you learned from It's going to affect your decision-making? So first of all, there is differences, and you, you measure it every year. The trick is uh, what's going to happen next year and are you going to pick the right seed for next year's condition that the one thing we can guarantee that's going to happen on Lee's farm next year, the weather is going to be different than it is this year. So necessarily saying I'm going to pick this product because it did well this year might not be the right decision for next year. That's a big part of seed selection. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you're trying, you're, you're going based on historical versus, you know, I, I can do this with everybody. I remember my stockbroker once told me it's time to buy XYZ corporation. You know, it's, it was, it was a hundred dollars stock. Now it's at 70. I said, does that stock remember that it was supposed to be a hundred dollars? Cause just because it used to be something doesn't mean it remembers right. that Lee. What did you learn this year? Speaking of hundred dollars uh, stock, what did you learn this year that you're already applying? And it may have come in May, or may have come in July, or it may have come when you were in the combine a week ago. Uh, still, we just see the value of good genetics. Uh, like I said, that's what makes it pay. That's what makes it work. Uh, we can. That's a critical component. So we're still focused on that. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, we just don't believe in cutting corners on our seed. And and going back to the comment, well, it's all the same. And I know there's some people that try to claim that in the industry. No, it's not. Uh, usually, this is one thing that we figured out a long time ago. When people come to you trying to sell you something and they're comparing it against something, that's probably what you should be planting. That's probably what you should be running. And so a lot of times in their sales pitch, they make our choice for us because they're <laughs> like, huh, that's the one we need to look at. You know, if that's the bar, that's where we want to be. Yeah. I like it. So when they come in and say, uh, here's this, this thing and it's budget basket, but it's just like such and such, then you're saying go with the, what they're comparing it to. Yeah. When people say it's, it's just like a Cadillac, go have the Cadillac. Don't buy an Oldsmobile. You know, it's the same premise. And just like, for example, uh, already this year, we've been hit up three times and right away they go, well, it's like P O O four six. And that's been a really good hybrid for us. It's like, well, if that's what you're comparing it to, that's what we're already planting. We're going to keep planting it uh, because we know it works. And there are differences because, uh, 
we know the parents on what we're planting, uh, both parents that are coming into the genetic line. You can go and jump ship and they'll tell you it's the same thing. They don't want to be one of the parents. It's missing part of the component. And that our environment, that can be a killer. You know, we already decided that most people shouldn't be farming up there with all the coldness and the wind and the, and everything else. And, and yeah, so you got to go in there. Um, Alan, uh, a time that you've had to go to somebody like Lee, big customer, good customer, obviously wants to work with you, believes in your product and it could be anybody. And we're not talking about just Corteva, but whoever he was having to work with, uh, is there a time when you've had to go to him and say, I'm really sorry, this one's a dud. You know, hey, we 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 don't like to admit it, but we've all. Has there been a time when you had? To, I, I was, I, you know what? I was a comedian uh, for a long time. Anybody that tells you they never died on stage and never laid an egg is either completely unself-perceptive and doesn't understand how crappy that show went, or they're just a complete liar. We've all laid an egg. When did you have to go to Lee and say, "I'm sorry, Lee. I think we laid an egg with this." one. Uh, it, it happens, right? You want to try to avoid it. You do as much testing as you can. You look at it in every sort of situation. But you know what? You can't test every situation, every acre, uh, right? Uh, you're you're going to miss some things. Was it by uh, variety? Was it because a bad variety for the way the weather turned out? Or is it because the company just uh, had a dud? I mean, you, you know, you go to a fireworks show, there's duds. Was it a dud or was it because of the environmental conditions or was there, or, or was it back on Lee? Did he misapply it? No, it, it, it's a lot of times it is environment, right? It's just, you can't test in every environment and, and weather kind of goes in trends, right? You'll be really wet for a number of years. Yep. You'll be really dry for a number of years. And we try to hit all of those environments, but you know what? Uh, a lot of these, a lot of these trends, you don't get them all, uh, right? You don't get the exact, right? You, you say, well, how do you describe drought? Well, geez, drought, I can have drought early. I can have drought in the middle. I can have drought late, uh, right? And you just, you know, sometimes you you just can't get them all. I think the key thing is, is to go with the company that you know is doing wide area testing, right? Is testing in in a lot of different places. And that's the advantage, frankly, that the major companies, those four main genetic suppliers really have is they're doing the testing across probably the largest footprint, uh, you know, not only in the U.S., but, but really around the world with their germplasm. They understand it the best. Uh, that's not to say you're not going to miss something, because it happens. You miss stuff. It, you know, it's the way it is. All right, uh, Lee, you always do a fantastic job of giving me a story, an anecdote, an illustration, and I and I remember them because remember, uh, people like stories; they can relate to them. You told him the story about you and your brother going and buying junk equipment because it's what you could afford, and then spending some time uh, whittling it back together. Give me a story. Uh, a good story or a bad story when it comes to seed, you, you know, maybe you got one of each, uh, you, you did it right. And it, and it just rang the bell. You did it wrong. Something you, you selected the wrong thing. Give me a good and a bad on seed, um, uh, from your perspective, from your 30 uh, years now in the business. One, one rule we have anybody that pulls on the place and describes a, a hybrid as a racehorse, keep on. Driving. We don't, <laughs> that's usually a sign of hit, hit or miss. And we don't want to be the miss year. And, uh, and like talking about duds, 
we've, we've experienced that, but a lot of times it's worked out. We've caught it soon enough. We'll start. Yeah. We start doing our seed order. We're talking in the summertime, seeing how it's responding to stress in the environment and talking to our uh, area rep and our dealer. And then, yeah, we've already got our preliminary order in and we've had it happen at least two times in the last 10 years where there was a hybrid, maybe a thousand acres worth of a newer one that, Hey, this thing looks pretty good. We're going to put it in your order. And by December they go, they'll get a hold of us and say, guys, nope, we pulled the plug on it. We're going to switch you to this. That doesn't make us upset. That makes us happy. That, that really uh, makes us, you know, respect them for doing that because they could have just said, Hey, we just want to sell you seed. We'll give you the dud. We, we already got all this money pumped into it and it's in the bag right. in the box. We want you to take instead they take the loss. So we don't have to, that is awesome. And that's where those long-term relationships come into play because if we didn't have that in place with our suppliers, they wouldn't be willing to do that for us. Yeah, I like it that uh, you you value the fact that they weren't looking at oh crap. We'll see if we can recoup. We, we got we got a bundle of money sunk in this. Let's just go ahead and sell these bag of turds out here and see if we can recoup some of our losses. You like that they said no, we're not going to recoup our, our turds on you. Um, I'm very technical in my my agricultural economics analysis here, Alan. Bag of turds, you know that's kind of yeah. Um, mistake, mistake. Uh, you said you made some mistakes. Did you make any mistake or not even mistake? Is there something you saw this year? They're like, I'm going to make an adjustment next year. Not just because of this one little thing you said, Lee, you usually like to give a couple of years. Cause you know, one year does not a trend to make, right? What did you see this year that you're going to make an adjustment? Like, yeah, you know what? This isn't working or this is working, or we're going to do more of that. Or we're going to shy away from that. Is there anything when it comes to seed that you saw this year and said, note to self, make the change. We don't see any radical changes on uh, soybeans. We did try a third brand, a small lot from them that was rated very good. But with the stress we had, we ended up taking about a 10 bushel an acre hit on it. So we're not going to do that one again. So you, and, you're saying that it, 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 you, you want to try it, but even with comparing the same stress factor on it on that third brand to your other two that you ride with that one didn't work. Yeah, it did not work. We took a, a good 10 bushel an acre hit. And when you got $12 soybeans, that kind of adds up in a hurry, but that's how we learn. That's how we better ourselves. So yeah, it was a mistake branching out and trying that. Luckily we didn't, you know, bet the farm and go do 5,000 acres of it. You know, we did one load of it and we'll be okay. But again, that's how we learn, you know, but that makes it feel better about the two brands that we did have in the ground because they both were very much neck and neck and uh, yields were very comparable. Yeah. So besides yield, I mean, I'm, so that's the big one. Uh, is there anything that you would advise, you know, there's the 20, there's the young guy out here that's saying, Hey man, I'm gonna listen to Lee Lubbers. He, he's, he's a sharp dude. He's got a lot going on. Is there anything besides yield that, a young person is only seeing yield, you know, we've all been young guys, right? What, what is it that besides yield that we want to make sure we're paying attention to? Uh, we need something with consistency and that's where the multi-year testing from our suppliers is very important to us. So we, uh, 
don't feel like we're going to get a bag of turds that we're going to we're going to hit something with consistency that's going to do well it, again in our environment and our management and that's thing uh you've got to look at your farm what what is your management style are you pushing harder or are you uh on your your fertility are you doing two passes are you doing fungicide? I mean, all these different things. What is your environment, your management? How are you going to manage the crop? Because that, that's where that's where it opens up a whole different set of parameters and seed selection because uh, how they respond respond to management. Alan, almost every acre of the 17,000 acres at Luber's Farms is no-till. He told me in a prior uh, recording that a couple hundred acres, just because of some oddball situation or tiling or something, he might have to run some tillage equipment on it. That changes the seed selection too, doesn't it? Or does it not? Yeah, it, it really does. Uh, and so, you know, you try to give them, uh, you know, management suggestions uh, and comments, positioning, uh, right with the information that you know, the testing that you got uh, to really help them position right the products that you know come up better and establish stand better. Um, you know, may he's got a lot of acres to go over. Maybe it's got to stand out there in the wind a little bit longer. So what's got late season standability? And that's where uh, you know you have to know and be working with the seed supplier that does know your situation and is, is you know, kind of knows the local lay of the land, for lack of a better term, because they can help you, uh, you know, and assist in, hey, what you need to be looking at this. Uh, and then Lee mentioned another good thing is, too, is, you know, it's a year-round thing. So they're out scouting their fields. They're looking at things. How does it come up? How does it react to drought? How does it react to wind? Those are all important points to you know, stop in and check up on what your crop's doing so you understand to, to help your decisions for, for the next year and the next time. Yeah, so you're, you're saying, you know, you know, keep an eye on it the whole time. And then right. I would imagine you want to definitely be documenting what, you know, over enough acres, you, you want to make sure you're really actually doing the documentation of this variety here, this variety here, this brand here, this brand here. Right, uh, yeah. What? I uh, just to, to add to that, I always say that a yield monitor keeps people honest, right? Uh, and it's the final chapter in the book on the story for the year. The big thing is, is you can't jump to the end of the book to read the story unless you know what happened in the other chapters, right? Uh, because it's not going to be the same book. Next year is going to be a different book. So, you know, you got to write and understand what's happening in the other chapters of the book, right, during the year to understand what's happening on that yield monitor that's the final chapter. And Alan, I, I appreciate you saying that, but and just it's since us and we're buddies here, Lee's going to finally fess up that these farmers, they have two yield monitors. There's the one that's the real one, and then the one that when the landlord like me is riding with them, it gets backed off by about 30% because then they can tell you, hey, your ground sucks. I can't be paying you this kind of cash rent. I mean, look at it. You're, you're, you're not even making a national average. Lee, are we going to admit you got a, a, a yield monitor for just when the, when the landlord's riding in the combine with you? 
I thought there was two of them and one was the real monitor. And then there's the one that the guys go to the coffee shop with. <laughs> okay. Maybe there's three. There's the real one. The one when the landlord is in the combine with you. And then the one when you go to the coffee shop and you know what? The guy that has the highest yield is the guy who talks last. Somehow, remarkably, right. the guy that talks last always has the biggest yield, right? Uh, what did we not cover? You know, folks, you bought a lot of seed, uh, Lee. You buy a lot of seed. What, what is it that we didn't maybe cover that you think a person uh, should know or think about? All of a sudden, I'm thinking, hey, uh, I hadn't really thought as much about cold germination uh, scores, and now I'm thinking about that obviously it's situational based on your environmental factors. Is there something else that uh, we didn't cover that maybe you think has helped you with being successful with your seed decision? Well, Alan pointed out, and that's something that we just don't give that much thought to that. Yeah. We're planting a tropical crop in less than tropical conditions. And since we started farming, uh, we were called nuts for planting corn. Well, now it's up in the North Dakota and the prairies of Canada. It's up in Montana. There's corn in Wyoming. I mean, you look all the different environments that corn has gone into in the last 20 years is unbelievable. You know, the expanse and acres and in areas that you never would have viewed as, hey, Western Kansas, you know, you always said that uh, Kansas, that's wheat country. Uh, we have friends there that they're corn farmers and they plant a little bit of wheat now. Yeah. You know, I mean, the world has changed and that's been because of the advancements in genetics. There's been huge advancements. Yeah. Well, as a landowner in Indiana, one of the original I states, I have a problem with all this because I think that you people should grow buckwheat and oats up there in the hinterlands and let us grow the corn so I can charge more for my cash rent. But we won't get into that in this episode. We talked a lot about corn. You buy seed for other stuff. You're planting wheat. Do you put this kind of decision making into your wheat? It's the same thing, right? It's got to be 60 pounds of uh, test weight. It's got to, it's got to be able to hold up. Is there, is there a similar thing or is it a little easier on wheat seed selection, Lee? We take our seed selection very serious. It's, it's, a, it's a huge part of our base for yield. It's the foundation. And if we don't make the right choices, we're going to lose yield. And we have enough other factors between the blizzards, the droughts, the whatever is going to happen uh, to take away bushels. We've got to do what we can to make that base and foundation the best we can. And that's with good genetics that work in our environment. Yeah, so the point there is, it's not just corn. You go through the same analysis, corn, wheat, soybeans, no matter what seed you're buying, you make sure you go through this checklist, right? Exactly. And it doesn't have to be painful. You know, it's not a painful process. It's once you streamline it, it's very easy to do. And again, that goes back to your long-term working relationships with your suppliers to help you make the best choices and save you time in that process. So, so one thing, yeah, just, you know, what Lee has said, he's talked a lot about genetics and, you know, we talked a little bit about uh, genetics already. I, I always like to make the statement that um, don't get enamored by technology. Technology is really good, right? All of the bells and whistles and boy, if you've got a certain pest, then certain technologies are great, whether it's herbicide or insects or, or that. There is only one thing that adds yield, and that's genetics. Everything else takes it away. Um, you know, 
weeds and you know herbicide spraying and all of that type of a thing genetics is what adds yield and adds consistency all of the other stuff is great it helps you maintain yield but once that seed goes in the ground the genetic potential is set everything else is taken it away from there so you know you got to think about it. it's pretty easy to get enamored that i got to have this technology or that technology and some of it absolutely if it helps you control that pest whatever it is weed insects diseases right but don't forget and lee has mentioned it several times about the genetics yeah i i i like it i like it anything else mr lubers no i think we covered it pretty well i think you did cover pretty well and uh and you're gonna be you're gonna be bringing a bunch of seed in i mean hey it's 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 time that you 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 harvest those fields and then all of a sudden you take all that money and you buy a whole bunch of seed and 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 get ready for it to to get ready to go next spring so i make sure when i come and see you i'm going to pull in the door and i'm going to say i've got a hybrid here that's a racehorse because that's what i heard is that he that's a that is a selling point to lee luber's racehorse it's a racehorse you down the road very fast if you say uh, race what's really funny of course is anybody that's ever read about uh what kind of returns folks get on racehorses that'd be the worst possible thing you could ever put your money into is anything that's compared to a racehorse all right my name is damian mason this is extreme ag's cutting the curve where if you lend us a day week month or year of your life i'm sorry if you give us a few minutes of your of your life we'll save you a day week or month or a year of your life because you know what you're going to learn from people who have been there and done that uh who have made mistakes who have done the trials and you heard that today from a guy that covers a lot of ground for Corteva. His name is Alan Scott. If they want to find you, how do they find you? I'll tell you. Alan.scott, A-L-A-N.scott at pioneer.com. Lee Lubers, one of the principal founders of Extreme Ag. You know how to find him. You find him through extremeag.farm. Till next time, thanks for being here. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Here's to Cutting the Curve. That's a wrap for this episode of Cutting the Curve, but there's plenty more. Check out extremeag.farm where you can find past episodes, instructional videos, and articles to help you squeeze more profit out of your farm. Cutting the Curve is brought to you by Advanced Drainage Systems, the leader in agriculture water management solutions.